Direct from the Vegas Voice Radio Studio, it's the Vegas Voice Scams, Schemes, and Senior Safety. Everything you need to know to avoid becoming a target of elder scams. Now, here's your host, the publisher of the Vegas Voice, Dan Roberts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another segment of Scams, Schemes, and Senior Safety. I'm Dan Roberts, publisher of The Vegas Voice, and our goal is to inform you of all the bad stuff that surrounds our lives when we answer the telephone or reply to emails. I don't know about you, but lately I received quite a few telephone calls from individuals claiming to be debt collectors. I've gotten all kinds from robocalls telling me to press one for more info, to others that claim I owe money for something I never ordered, to even claims for stuff that I know I already paid in full. Even worse, some of these so-called collectors even threaten to call the police to have me arrested if I do not immediately pay. Some even claim that they are the police, or even more frightening, lawyers. Now, rather than engage in an extended telephone call that you know you can't win, I found the perfect statements to ask to see if their claims are legit. Before you even think about paying, one, find out who's calling. Get the name of the collector, the collection company, its address, and phone number. At the very least, you'll throw him off his game. And if he refuses to provide the information, well, you know what to do. Two, get some validation information about the debt. Did you know that by federal law, within five days of contacting you, legitimate debt collectors must validate or tell you the amount of the debt, the name of the current creditor, and how to get the name of the original creditor? Again, force the guy to tell you all information. And if they refuse, well, you know what to do. Number three, and this is the best response yet, just dispute the debt. Say it doesn't exist or was paid months ago. Make them send you proof in writing. And if for any reason they don't have your home address, you know the guy's a scammer. Four, finally, don't even think about responding to any threats. If the caller threatens you to have you arrested, suspend your driving license, Medicare privileges, or social security payment. It's a scam. End of story. So what should you do when you get that telephone call? The answer is simple. Hang up the phone, hang up the phone, and hang up the phone. I do have one suggestion if you have any questions or concerns. Contact me. Afraid they're going to arrest you? Have no concerns. I'll post your bail. Just email me at dan at thevegasvoice.net. That's dan at thevegasvoice.net. We'll have more scams in future segments. Until then, this is Dan Roberts, hoping that everyone stays safe, be smart, and to always slam those scams. The views and opinions expressed in the following program are those of the program's participants and do not necessarily reflect those of station staff, management, and advertisers. 
Welcome to the Vegas Voice. I'm Rich Natoli, your host, and we are joined in studio today by a very successful businessman and philanthropist, does a lot of work for the homeless community here in Las Vegas, and his name is Tiger Todd, and he joins us this morning. Hi, Tiger. Good good to have you here. So you're involved in, how long have you been involved in, in the, the homeless uh, issues and trying to help? Well, we can uh, start by my first day as just an entrepreneur following my money. So that was, uh, what was that, 1994. Yeah, because you had, bi- what were you, what business were you in? Yeah, I had electronic stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, so I just, um, I had given some money to a group I found behind a Walmart that said they helped the homeless, and then I just followed my money. I found me in a park with 1,854 people lined up to get food. Wow. Wow. And okay, so now... Okay, so what do you tell me? What you guys do? Um, like when you started, what did you just start like little uh, feeding the homeless kind of things? Well, yeah, that's a great question because you know when you start something, especially when you're an entrepreneur, you have no idea what you're doing, right? Yeah, so yeah, when, yeah. you know, so at the first, you know, I think there, there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of angst when you you have some preconceived notion of what you're doing. Like, for mm-hmm. example, you know, I read this, you know, Hope for the Homeless on the side of a van, gave him some money, invited him to my store, gave him a bunch more money. Yeah. They then invited me out to see what they did. I came out and I was shocked that they were actually feeding homeless people. And I was like, what, 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 what are you doing? And now, yeah. now this is an important yeah. <laughs> differentiation. Yeah. Uh, you know, Stephen Covey, who said, um, we don't see the world as it is, we see it as we are. Mm-hmm. which was actually transliterated from the Buddha. Yeah. So I, over the years, I looked back, right after getting the first 10,213 homeless off the street, I have to look back at how did I see the world to be effective at changing homeless back into citizens when everyone else was feeding them? And so, um, so yeah, it's a good question. But again, when you start, you just instinctively know what to do. You know, you, know, you were part of a movie that just came to you. Yeah. Right. See, so, so this is really, you. You become the scientist really after you're the accidental scientist. Yeah, and the, and I mean the, the whole movie thing. Yeah, the movie's called folks. The movie's called uh, Faith Wins: The Wild Card of the Strip, and it addresses the homeless issue. It'll be out in October premiere in here in, in Vegas. Um, so yeah, okay. So now you you had those things, and so where'd you go from there? And how long ago was that? So, um, yeah, so 94, I had an experience with the homeless where I just, you know, you do what everyone says do. And so mm-hmm. I bought a bunch of chicken and at a, at a Albertsons or, you know, whichever was open on a, on a Christmas day and a bunch of blankets in North Las Vegas. And I went to a corner. Um, that corner now has is the underpass next to the, what is the rescue mission. And uh, it was right out of a scene from like the first Rocky, right, where you had 40 yeah. some people gathered around, you know, 55 gallon drum that's got a fire yeah. coming out. They're sitting on car seats. And hey, that's the neighborhood jukebox. You know what I mean? Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, I almost went to. I am the law, right? Yeah. Sorry, I went to a whole other movie genre. Well, it is called Hero School, yeah, right. So I created this methodology called Hero School, based on math I derived from movies that then mm-hmm. became the origin story that Marvel used to go into the movies. So, but I used it from movies I'd watched before and then applied it in the real world. But on this first day, keep in mind, I knew nothing. I, I just knew nothing. And so I went out there with, you know, with one line that a pastor friend taught me and I wasn't raised religious, but he said this. So I just rattled this off after I gave the food. And all of a sudden these guys are on these car seats, giving me chapter and verse. And I'm yeah. thinking, Oh my God, what are these Bible scholars doing on this corner? 
So, um, so I walked away, started to walk back to my truck. I had a full Ford Bronco. And uh, all of a sudden, I sensed people following me. And I looked behind, there were like nine people yeah. following me. And they yelled, hey. So it's you were that you help us one day. Well, it's, you you know, it's how alone. entrepreneurs live, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? We're the yeah. only one up in the yeah. middle of the night. Yeah. You know, so I went out just to do this thing, right? Uh-huh. So, yeah, alone on Christmas Day. Don't, don't ask me about <laughs> my relationship ability. But Very anyway, um, yeah, so, you know, you learn these things. And anyway, so I, uh, I had, uh, you know, quite a lesson. I mean, I, he, the guy said something that, that got me. The guy says, it's, it's fine that you help us one day a year, but we need more than that. And, you know, to, and yeah. And he kind of blamed me for his <laughs> lot in life. Yeah. And when yeah. you're an entrepreneur, yeah. you know, look, entrepreneurs, we live by four laws. Mm-hmm. Number one, we add value first. Right. right. We have to plant a seed before we expect a crop. Mm-hmm. We have to send our ship out before we expect our ship to come in. Right. right? All these people waiting for the ship to come in. Yes. Never set one out. Yeah. Right. Number two is you're the last line of defense. You take the blame even for stuff customers do. Right? There's no blaming, right? right? Right. Anyway, there are a couple other great laws we live by, but I'm sure you didn't ask me for that. So, so I remember f- whipping around in like this anger. No, what you did is bubble. And they all just started to cry. Well, most of them ran away, but four of them yeah. started to tear up, pinned against this chain link fence because I just walked at them with my voice. And they, they said, you're right, man. I had a good job. But then these other guys, they started to you know, share drugs at work. And, and now I just want to get home to my babies. And that's when I started to see that so much of what we see with the homeless is a front. It's, okay, so define that. Well, well, think about this. And this is you know, where my, my movie psychology comes in. You know, every character in film lives, you know, has two journeys they're simultaneously on, right? There's a Bruce Wayne self and a Batman self in everyone. That's a good, yeah, that's a good point. Well, it's true. We know this. Look at right. junior high, right? I had to teach this to, to public schools 20-some yeah, yeah. years ago that they, they said, well, this kid is, is this way. And I said, look, that kid in eighth grade is not the same kid he was in second grade. Right. Not just because he changed into a third grader, but every kid, about 12, 13, throughout history, mythology, religion, public schools, splits into two people. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Right? Little kids see, you know, go to a grocery store and see their teacher. It's like they see a celebrity. Yeah. Junior high school kids go to a grocery store. A, they don't go with their parents. <laughs> B, they see a teacher and they start hiding behind stuff. Right. And so you know that we have this split, but they're still, as human beings, now they're two people, but they're two little fractions. They're two mm. little seeds. Yeah. And those both have to be grown up mm. or they become an imbalance later. And that imbalance becomes that homeless person. Right. Right. So we have to have a deeper view, a more practical or pragmatic view of human behavior, not just what, and what a human being is, before we even begin to address, you know, helping a homeless person. Yeah. And, that, and, and that's because, like, we were talking before we went on the air, and, and I was saying, well, a lot, a lot of it is addiction problems. And you said, no, no. <laughs> a lot of it could be, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know. Bill Gates was addicted to Microsoft. Then he got addicted to malaria. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Addiction's not the cause of yeah. someone's failure. It's usually just fruit on a tree. Right. In fact, if you, if you read back far enough and you read, um, you could read Nietzsche, but Nietzsche, you know, from what, the 18, 1800s, he did a discourse called Superman or Ubermensch, mm-hmm. obviously why I studied it. Yeah. But um, he goes back in history to show this same dual life issue creating the void in the human that they fill with substances, 
substances yeah. that are, I call them artificial sweeteners. Right. Right. There's a real. Because they're filling a hole is what they're yeah, doing. Yeah. And that, that hole is for something else. Right. But they right. put something else in it. It's like, a, you know, it's like a hoarder with a garage filled with boxes that that garage is for cars and sea Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so we're really, we're not, you know, we're, if we address addiction, we're trying to address something that's obviously part of the human nature. What we should be doing is addressing what have they put in the void and what it should be in that void. Because if they were filling their life with the actual substance, the real thing, then they wouldn't, they wouldn't go on these downward spirals. And, and so the question is, how do, we, how do we find – so every case is different, right? Like every person's yeah, case well, is different. Yeah, every person's case is different, but – but we know if you can start, <laughs> yeah. and this is where I started to like backtrack. How did I get these, you know, the homeless off the street? Yeah. Well, first to keep in mind, I thought it was easy because mm-hmm. it was, I spent two hours with them. I said these certain things in a certain way and then watched myriad ahas from groups of 500 <laughs> to 2000. Right. And it was, well, not 1800. And so, um, so I didn't know what it was. And then I started to look back at, you know, I had told people, yeah, I got these homeless people off the street. And they said, well, that's impossible. Yeah. I went to these universities. So, well, that's impossible. I said, well, I just did it. I got video, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. the video is pretty lousy back in the 1990s, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but, um, so I started to break it down. Right. Right. And so when you start to break it down, you say, ah, I get it. It's because I had a definition of what a human is. Cause we're not talking about homeless. We're talking about human homelessness. Mm-hmm. What I saw was the industry that it's become in homelessness treats human homelessness as if they're lost pets. Well, look, every time, I don't know if you've yeah, ever had, yeah, a, if you've ever had yeah. a lost, a wild, a cat, a right. feral cat, or somebody mm-hmm. hop over your pony wall at night, what'd you want to do? Yeah. You just Food, wanna... clothing, shelter. Yeah. And that's exactly what we do with humans. When and it in fact, doesn't correct. Humans yeah. have so much more inside them. Yeah, the problem is still right? in there. But we're there. just treating them like lost puppies. Yeah, that's you know? a good so, point. Yeah, right. So anyway, so yeah. they you say, well, you're that's inhuman how you treat and them you're like going, this. I, I helped said, all these. Uh, probably I only treat, the only one treating them like humans. Yeah. So what is a so, human? Right. And there's one fundamental difference. We have some great stories of what makes a human. Yeah. We have, um, well, Napoleon Hill was pretty funny. He said um, in uh, Think and Grow Rich, you know, he wrote about uh, the difference in humans and animals. And he says, well, for one, every human, every animal rather, knows when their mating season is. <laughs> right? And, and for humans, yeah. they just think it's open season, right? <laughs> right and there's right. a time to mate and a yeah. time not to mate in the animal kingdom. Yeah. But uh, uh, let's see, it was J.K. Rowling. She was doing a... Uh, um, uh, commencement uh, address for Harvard. Yeah, the and one who she, wrote the uh, yeah the JK the, the Harry Potter series, Harry absolutely, Potter, right, yeah. and uh, and magical beasts. And she said that um, humans are different from animals in, the, in that they have imagination. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, these that's are all some real truths here, right? right. Um, uh, Jim Rohn, right? Uh, Tony Robbins' mentor. He said that um, species, animals, and or trees, even they always grow as much as they possibly can. And yet humans will actually argue to grow as much as they possibly can. Wow. Isn't that's, that fascinating? That's fascinating. That's very, very true, though. All I knew, and I don't know where I learned it um, you know, as a child, but um, I knew that the difference between humans and animals is exactly why we send humans to school. This is most of my school work or my, my homelessness prevention work as a consultant. Yeah. And that is, you know, we send a third grade kid to school. We give them an expert in third grade. We teach them third grade and third grade and third grade. They get too good for third grade. What, what happens? They actually change into right, fourth graders. 
get, they, get, they go to another class with a different expert, one now who's mastered fourth grade, teach fourth grade, fourth yeah, grade, yeah. fourth grade, they change into fifth grader. If you move up, you get too good for middle school, you become a high schooler, get too good for high school, become a graduate. And now you can see it, right? You could go to USC and you have an engineering professor teaching engineering, engineering, engineering. Well, at the end of four years, if you did the homework that the expert said, this is a math formula, you'll change into an engineer. If you learn accounting, you'll become an accountant, right? If you learn law, you become a... So here's the fundamental difference in the core to my school of psychology. And that is humans are unique to the planet as the only species that become what they learn. Yeah, Uh, yeah. So when I walked into the park in the 90s, and this it seems insulting, but I just assumed if they are, quote, homeless, they learned how to be. Yeah. Look, if we went into a convention for engineers, I know they weren't born that way, Lady Gaga. Right. Right? People become what they learn. You know, it's interesting because in the movie... Oh. In the movie, the, the a homeless man that I meet on the street shows m- my character how to be homeless. <laughs> he shows See, in there, the movie. Oh, that's how that get perpetuates. Yeah. There is a culture, a whole yeah. educational pro- problem to the, with the mentors. Dream story and, again. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, those dreams come through true. Yeah. We're talking to philanthropist and uh, successful businessman, uh, Tiger Todd. Uh, the website, uh, he works a lot with the homeless uh, community and trying. we're trying to help the problem, which is very widespread, not only in Vegas, but in the country. Um, HeroSchool.us is the website, folks. HeroSchool.us. Take a quick break. We got uh, more to chat with Tiger Todd right after this. Replacing your air conditioning and heating system is a big decision. That's why Johnny on the Spot Air Conditioning and Heating tailors every new unit estimate to meet our clients' needs. We go over all the options with you and custom design a new system for you and your home. And of course, these consultations are always free. Schedule your free new unit estimate online at johnnies.vegas or call us at 702-JOHNNIES. That's 702-564-6697. Contractor license number 76827. Welcome back to The Vegas Voice. I'm Rich Natoli, your host, here with John Lindquist, John the announcer. And in studio is Tiger Todd. He's a successful businessman and uh, also philanthropist, has worked for many years helping uh, to solve the homeless issues in Las Vegas um, and pretty much everywhere else. The website is heroschool.us to learn more about what Tiger Todd does, heroschool.us. So it's interesting how people can learn how to be whatever, homeless. Yeah, you know, it's, it's fascinating how much we forget the building blocks or the core concepts or even precepts of what makes us human. Right. And, uh, and so one uh, example was I was invited as the speaker for, these were police captains, they were school superintendents, it was some regional thing. And um, we'll call this a decade ago. And, um, and some city officials, you know, county commissioner type people. And, um, you know, I started the speech, you know, you want to start with some sort of hook. Right. But I said, you know, when I started, I didn't know much. You know, I thought homeless people became homeless because they learned how to be. 
mm-hmm. and you just you know, have you ever spoken to a group when it just heated up, right? <laughs> yeah. You never you didn't really could see nonverbals, but I've it done just comedy to groups <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, it got quiet and hot. <laughs> yeah, and so um, so I waited a few. In fact. Two superintendents guys just they stood up and stormed out. There's right. probably a group of two hundred in a little theater somewhere. And I said, You're right, you're right. It seemed, you know, ridiculous because I didn't know much. Because if you believe that homeless people become homeless because they learned how to be, right, then you'd have to believe that engineers become engineers because they learned how to be and doctors become doctors <laughs> because and, and police officers sure. become police officers because they there's a pattern. And all of a sudden, all these people with PhDs and all this experience got reawakened to a core truth about humans. Yeah. Is that literally we become what we learn. Yeah. And so until you start, you have, I think you have to start like a movie does, right? A movie has a, an outer journey for the hero, one of want, right? Movies never go nowhere unless you start with what does the character want? Right. That's the outer journey. Right. right? And then like Happy Gilmore. Right. right. I want to get grandma's house back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so but then there's the inner journey and that's the journey of need. And if you've ever confronted a homeless person on a street corner, they, they think they know what they need. Yeah. But in film, no character knows what they need. <laughs> None. Right. It's only discovered by taking steps on the journey to yeah. get what they want. Yeah. Then they discover, oh, my God, anger is an issue. My short game. Right. 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 And so, so, you know, homeless people, I need this. I need this. Kids, you're teenagers. I need this. Yeah. Nobody knows. I don't know what I need. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you decide what you want, you take these steps, you start to recognize what you need. You find some new mentors to say what you really need. And so then it's revealed. But there's a third thing that every, every hero's journey has, and that's, we'll call it a philosophical condition. And that is, you know, something like an injustice, right? Mm-hmm. It's just not right that. Right. And one of the things is, yeah, it's just not right that so many human beings should become homeless. Right. It's but to me, it's not right that the four habits of homelessness from my science in the 1990s are being perpetuated in public schools. Yeah. So it's not right that we continue to produce the very kinds of people that we then have to deal with later on. And, and we're not just talking about homelessness because the same four habits are um, addiction, includes opioids or government dependency. We're talking about the same four habits that, that have added to the prison pipeline. Yeah. That these conditions are just things you don't find in the manager of a, of a hotel casino or the entrepreneur who owns a nail salon down the, down the street. And so we have to see what those differences are because I think they're more important then higher education has led on. Yeah. Yeah. And so now with, with the different uh, cases, because every case is different, right, to a degree, um, there's that underlying commonality, but then every, every right. case has an individual difference to it as well. Do you find – what do you find in the background of these people that end up on the street that you don't see in the background of us – Yes. Let's say. Uh, a great question. Um, and, and if you want me, I'll rattle off the four habits of homelessness. We'll, and we'll contrast them. We're to, here to rattle. To what I, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, I think we're doing some rattling then. <laughs> um, and there's also, I'll contrast them to the four laws of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Right? So these are ones I learned from my dad when I was like seven, eight years old. Yeah. My dad was chief photographer for the RJ. Um, but at the same time, he's starting his own business here in Las Vegas. And um, his business that he chose to do in Las Vegas was a sailboat store in the desert. 
<laughs> so now half the sailboats on Lake Mead still have our little old Todd sailboat on them. But uh, so it was, you know, successful at, at you know, putting boats on the lake. It's like the Jamaican bobsled team. Exactly. This is like, it's like a movie, right? Every movie, yeah. right? You have to have a relatable character, conflict and obstacles. And you have to accomplish the impossible. So this is like, like my dad's the journey. Jamaicans had a snow ski, what? and they're going, <laughs> yeah. "What man? What's I snow? don't. There's no what snow. Is snow? Man. <laughs> yeah, you got to start with what is snow. Uh, so to contrast that, because you know, as I look back in the '90s, I just did what was intuitive or instinctive. Mm-hmm. Um, then when I look back, I said, "Oh, this is how I see the world." You know, I had. Um, I had my dad, an entrepreneur, who taught me these laws when I was young. Yeah. Um, I had no kid friends. I was run over by a car, drunk driver, you know, coma, skull fracture, two body right. casts for six months as, as an infant or a young four-year-old, five-year-old. And um, so I only hung out with adults. So in school, I didn't have kid friends. I had teacher friends. So who did I learn from instead of kids? Teachers. So I was grading papers by first grade. Yeah. But then the third one is I'd watched a lot of movies, right? Through all my electronic stores in Washington State and here. You know, I'm watching the same clip of a movie 700 times. And what that did was give me a pattern for how characters accomplish the impossible in movies. I've created that as a mathematical model, which I then reversed for the audience. So instead of just Luke Skywalker, farm boy, becoming a Jedi, Happy Gilmore, loser, hockey player, repeater, becoming a golfer. Everyone in the audience undergoes the transformation. Yeah. And that's what we wanted, right? So, so when you're dealing with a homeless person, yeah, you got these habits, but you have to start with what's the intention. Yeah. And if you don't know that human beings are unique, you, your intention is just to alleviate their hunger for a couple of hours. Right. It's to make them a little more comfortable, right? But my intention was always free them from this condition, which is killing them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So four habits versus four laws. Every entrepreneur, right? We talked about this earlier. We Mm -hmm. add value first. Plant a seed before you expect a crop. Right? Send your ship out before you expect your ship to come in. Uh, Law two of every entrepreneur. um, We take the blame. I know there's now we have all this extreme accountability and all this is not even close to what the entrepreneur goes through. Yeah. The entrepreneur has to take the blame like Moses in Numbers 14 or Jesus on the cross. Right. Right. Because you're the last line of defense. You don't have a unit. You don't have you're you. Right. So it's this is beyond. So take the blame is law to every entrepreneur. Uh, Law three of every entrepreneur is we learn vertically. Uh, It's uh, Emerson, right? Emerson said, um, every man is my superior in some way in that I learn from him or her. Right. So so we look to everyone who knows something more. We have a respect that everyone knows more. This is not the equality that I see taught in everyone's equal. That's just not true. Everyone's superior. Yeah. And in that superiority, we're all supposed to learn from each other in that superiority. And then finally, when you do, let's say you act like Daniel in The Karate Kid, the first one. And he knows you fi- every movie. And you, find, <laughs> and you find your Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Then when he gives you this wisdom, you just do it to prove it. Yeah. And so I looked at what the homeless were doing. And they would, instead of add value first, they'd beg first. Yeah. They wanted my stuff first. Right. In fact, they'd give these great pitches. They used to say, you know, I was born again back in 1985, filled with the Holy Ghost in 1992, can I have $5? So they'd, yeah. they'd create a whole pitch around yeah. this. And I, you know, it's, 
it's not like good or bad. It's just that it's it's infant. You know, that worked when you were begging when you were seven or eight. Right, right, right. It right. may good have point. worked when you were pleading with your parents for the car keys when mm-hmm. you were 16. Mm-hmm. Right? But it just doesn't work when you're 45. Right. Right? So this is what we're trying to get them to grow up or to individuate you using Carl Jung's terms or become more fully human using Abraham Maslow's terms. Yeah. So the second habit of the homeless, if it's just begging, then it's blaming. I remember walking that first line of 1854. And remember, I felt a little cocky because I just wrote the check that paid for apparently to feed all these people. Yeah. And I was a little miffed because in my household, when we didn't have food, here's what my dad said to me. He told me to drink milk because I needed this to grow my bones after this car accident, right? Right. So one day I go to the fridge and there's no milk for me to drink. Yeah. And my dad with the forearms like Popeye telling me, (laughs) you got to drink milk. So I said, Dad, we're out of milk. And he said, here's what he said. Then you're going to have to go sell something or provide a service for somebody. So just imagine how you see the world is you're the kid that even food had to be earned. So I walk in that park as an adult. And of course, I still have these childhood issues. Sure. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I'm going to be that now adult that says, what the heck is going on here? You're feeding them first? <laughs> Yeah. Right? They don't pay us first when we yeah. work, right? What, what yeah. kind of unit? If you're going to try to get them back into society, you can't keep treating them like children. Yeah. So, so the first habit was begging. Second habit was blaming. They, I walk yeah. the line and they say, you know, that bitch I married, my boss is a jerk or whatever. And I say, well, it might be true. But as you yeah. all know, you can't blame. You can't come to an interview yeah. with me and He's blame. He's not in control of your destiny. The ball, yeah, absolutely true. Right. But but imagine, you know, John, you're interviewing somebody for a job, and they all they want to do is talk about what was wrong with their prior employers, right? You know, you're next, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. so it might be true, but you can't. Right. And that is that's and so that's, that's a, Jesus on the cross, right? Right. And so that's a common thread you see common, the blaming that it, well. We could say it's common to homeless people, but I'm going back up a step. Mm. That's what turned them into those people. Yeah. See the difference? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not judging the homeless where you're blaming the victim. The homeless is a symptom to what Homelessness is what happens to someone who has these four habits. That's right. Right? And you'll never get out of this unless you address these four habits. Right. Because society does not want someone who's just constantly begging or stealing. They don't want someone who's constantly blaming and never taking responsibility. You can't employ that person. You can't marry that person. Yeah. Right? And so, and then the third one, um, we call, I called it horizontal learning. I remember mm-hmm. walking the line and I'd say, just do this. Just, I know someone who owns that, that business. Just go over there and ask. And they'd all nod at me initially, but then they'd go group up in eight people, the rest of the line, and start bad-mouthing me. Can you believe that guy told me to go do this? Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking they trust the wisdom of people in the same crap they're in yeah. more than me? More than you. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. And so, and yeah. then the fourth one, everyone knows this. Well, that goes with space. the misery likes company, right? Well, certainly. These, that, that you know, those kind of, of phrases and colloquialisms are not. They're more know, comfortable around people that are like them in the situation they're in. Yeah, but you see, if we become yeah. what we learn, that comes from somewhere. Yes. Yes. And if you want to know where, I have another story, but let me finish my four habits. Yeah. Because I'll I'll be incomplete and then it'll be like a song where I just play it all day in my head, right? (laughs) You didn't finish, you can't, if you didn't finish the song, it just keeps going. So, um, so the fourth habit is, you know, think about it back from the laws of an entrepreneur, right? We add value first. We take the blame. We learn vertically. And then when we get that Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Han 
um, Chubbs, the one-armed golf pro and Happy Gilmore, uh, Carlisle and the Twilight Saga, yeah. right? Whoever that expert or teacher or mentor coach is. And then tell us to do something like wax the car, wax on, wax off. We just do it to prove it. Get back to the homeless. Begging, blaming, learning only horizontally. And even if they got a Mr. Miyagi, what they want to do is talk back or tell a story. Yeah. And how many times have I pulled up in an intersection or got out of my car to help a homeless person? And they just start off with a story. They just start off with the past. So the four habits of homelessness keep them stuck in the past. And while the world continues to move forward, they're stuck as 1985 man in 2022. Yeah. And 1985 man doesn't work in in 2022. Their character must change. Yeah. And so now the question is, how do we, how do you change their mindset from that to wanting to evolve? Oh, here's someone that wants to actually help the homeless. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So we created what's called a hero school as a, as a way to get the entire audience to change. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't know that you can do it one-on-one. There are some things you can do one-on-one. And one of the greatest things is to equip your listeners Right. With what do you do if their habit, if the habit one is begging and yeah. habit four is talking back, telling a story. If you let them do those things, it just reinforces their condition. Right. So we do what's called a preemptive strike. And a preemptive strike is if you're aware that humans become what they learn. And these four habits are what to put that person in this position to where they just can't get out. Now, now let me just be clear. Because, you know, I travel to other, you know, as consulting in Honolulu or I'm going somewhere else around the country. There are these slogans that should be on bumper stickers that people who have been in charge but have struggled, unable to solve this homeless problem for so long, they say, well, there are a million ways to be homeless. No, there are a million ways to be houseless. Right. Houselessness is what people usually try to solve. Well, if we just gave them a house. No, you, you really should change into a homeowner. Yeah, people who just given houses lose houses. People who are given things, they turn into projects. Right. Unless the character changes into the kind of person that can manage that place, you'll either have to take care of them forever or they'll lose it. That's and, a great point. That's just like the person that wins $100 million in a lottery and then he's broke in three years. Broke and in rehab and, and, and after failed and relationships. Ends up, ends up taking his life or something exactly. crazy yeah. like that. And you yeah. go, well, how did that happen? That is exactly what you're talking about. Because they become the kind of person that can handle that That's type right. of wealth. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so getting back to, um, you know, to the question of if you're aware of these things, right, you're loaded with this, then your intention, of course, is to free that person from homelessness. And mm-hmm. if there are four habits, let's just suppose they are each weighted at 25%. So we, call, we do what's called a preemptive strike. And the first one is if you know four habits of homelessness, yeah. then you know they're primed to beg. Now, there are houseless people that might not be begging. They might be right. too proud. They might be, that's houselessness. Yeah. But if they hang out with the homeless long enough, kind of like your movie, it gets they're going to get a mentor that teaches how them how to, to be, be homeless. <laughs> and this is how yeah. LA has grown their problem 22% per year. Right, right. When there's money to, 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 when there's money to, to help, do it. but yeah. there, it just keeps growing. Well, if you and, look at it, they have the same four habits as the homeless, but we won't go there. And not just, not just <laughs> LA, but San Francisco and New it's York. and Same four habits. Same four habits. And the only reason why those people aren't homeless is because there's a pipeline of money. Right. And the set, unfortunately, the homeless people don't have an uh, ever-ending supply. 
So let's go back now to this uh, preemptive strike so we can help the listeners yeah. deal with them. If you know that the first habit is begging and the fourth habit is talking back or telling a story, you have to shift the conversation into the future before they can speak. Before they start Look, talking about the their teacher, past. If you're, and, the, if you're yeah. an eighth grade teacher and your yeah. students come in the room, you can't learn from them. Sounds nice, but that's right. not the goal. The goal is for you to turn them into high school students. Right. That's your, it's your responsibility. It's your goal. It's your training. It's everything. Mm-hmm. So you're in charge. But if you listen to them, you're not in charge. If all of them start to say, tell the same story, you're going to lose control of your classroom. Right. And if we're really caring about freeing this person from this condition of homelessness, then we need to be really super vigilant um, about making sure that we do the preemptive strike before they can, if you're going to help them. Otherwise, it's best almost not to. So the four habits of homelessness are all in the past. All of everything we must do is in the future. When will this air? In the future. Right. 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 Do you see? So, yeah. uh, so what we need to do is we look at the begging. First thing I do is an easy pattern interrupt line is just to roll down my window. And before they can speak, I say, are you still out here? <laughs> Is that what you say? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, and the, one of the best lines. Yeah. And, uh, and they're, now line. they're on their heels, and now they're your student. Yeah. I put myself as the, as the head, right? And then before they can eat, now they're, it's like Neo in the Matrix. Remember the dojo scene in the Matrix? Yeah. Right? Neo might be the one, but he has no, he's been conditioned that the world he lived in was the real world. Right. Instead of a prison for his mind. Mm-hmm. So he's in the dojo with his expert, right? Vertical learning. And, and he gets beat. And so Morpheus, this is the best way to teach. If you're, if, by the way, if you're listening today and you have teenagers, you cannot talk to them like you did when they were elementary school kids. Right. You have to now, instead of give answers, you have to ask questions, only questions. You cannot tell them what to do or it's a rebellion button. Why? Yeah. Because they split into two people. Yeah. Don't so, I know that one? So in the dojo, <laughs> Morpheus has handily beat Neo in practice and he asks three questions. He says, how did I beat you? Yeah. Neo responds in his teenage brain. He said, uh, you're too fast. You're too strong. And the response, <laughs> do you really think, question, do you really think that my speed or my strength have anything to do with what happened in this place? Because remember, it was a computer program. Yeah. Now, now of course, Neo's on his heels. And, uh, and he's sitting against a pillar, breathing hard. And then he's, and one last question from Morpheus. Do you really think that's air you're breathing now? Now he's shifted this person's reality where he thinks he's either homeless or in this dojo, shifted it to realize that, no, you're in the matrix. Yeah. So why are you even breathing hard? So this is what you're trying to do. And then finally, parents, non-judgmental response. Of course they think that way. Of course they think it's because you're stronger. It's because you're in charge, Dad. That's why you're so bossy. It's, they, of course they think that. That's their brain. And we have to respect that's the way they think. So when you, you really think that's the air you're breathing now, you just go, hmm, I guess you do. And you walk off. This is the best intervention one-on-one with community residents with the homeless in their neighborhoods. Wow. So are you still out here? I didn't have to see that person ever. But because I'm loaded with the four habits of what makes a homeless person, keeps them in that position, preemptive strike. Now they're on their heels. And now I say, look, and you give them some sort of task where they have to earn your time. If it's at a grocery store, I'm walking Mm -hmm. into the Vons at Twain and Maryland Parkway. 
you know, there's always going to be someone there begging. Mm-hmm. And I say, uh, no, I always start with no to see the response. Remember, there's two people in there. So you just say no? I just say no. And then start with no. So what is Simon Sinek? Well, you'll get to one of two responses. Yeah. And then you'll know whether you can help that person one on one. First okay. response is you effing bubble, they'll start turning on you. <laughs> right? Like you're the bad right? guy. Right? <laughs> like you're the bad guy. Blame. <laughs> Habit two. I know uh-huh. it. Right? Habit one was begging and I knew blame was coming. Okay. Right? But the other one is the person who might just be houseless. And so they, you say no. And they say, okay, thanks, man. Now you can do even what Jesus did in his story of, of the, the, the dad that tried to get his two sons to work in the field in the morning. Mm-hmm. And now you can change your mind. So now I can go back to that person and talk to them. But yeah. if I'm just at a stoplight and I got 30 seconds, right, I might just give them a task for 15 seconds. Okay, clean up this corner. I'm going to circle around. And when I get back here in 20 minutes, we'll see how clean it is. And then I'll give you something. Yeah. Now they're into the earning program that the rest of society is. And now you've taken a preemptive strike and turned it into any hope of this person climbing out of 25%, 25%, 25%. Yeah, and it's like that analogy, another Jesus analogy, when he said, do you want to get better? Yeah. Get up and walk into the healing water. Do you want to get better? It's you a know, question. You, you want to help yourself or you just want to sit here and be a victim, right? Gosh, you know, some of these, you know, say I was not this genius when I started. And so you look back now, you see this stuff at who were geniuses throughout history and mythology and religion, right? Yeah. That, that, see, that's brilliant, right? Because there were the questions, yeah, right? Uh, there were the things that we've not taken as critically a look at as we should have because it worked for a reason. Yeah. It wasn't just some miracle. It was, no, in order for the miracle to work, you have to have their authority. Right. And their authority has to be, right? What do you want? Right. I just want more money. Right? Yeah. Well, that can't help you. Well, we all want more money. Yeah. What does that yeah. mean? Right. <laughs> you know? The right. questions, the questions. Yeah. It's just, that's a great, great, great point. Yeah. We're talking to uh, Tiger Todd, uh, success, successful businessman and philanthropist. Uh, the website uh, is heroschool.us, and Tiger works uh, helping a lot of the homeless uh, communities here in Las Vegas. Uh, heroschool.us. We got to take a quick break, and we got remaining time, time with uh, Tiger right after this. Hi there. I'm pretty sure I'm Bruce Baum. And if you like hot sauce, you're going to really like my new Noggin Blast organic hot sauces available at NogginBlast.com. These are hot sauces the whole family can enjoy, depending on how you raised your family. Every bottle is signed by me, whether you want me to or not. So if you want some, it's at NogginBlast.com. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. B-L-A-S-T, Nogginblast.com, Nogginblast.com. We are back to the Vegas Voice Radio Show. I'm Rich Natoli, your host, uh, sitting here in studio with uh, Tiger Todd. He is a a philanthropist uh, uh, businessman who is helping the homeless in a big way. Use, and, 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 uh, the website I should mention is heroschool.us, heroschool.us to learn more about what Tiger Todd is doing. And it's interesting how you use movies as an analogy to, to break this down. I, I find that fascinating. Well, and I love movies, but, you know, yeah. and maybe it's, um, you know, some people are really good at patterns. Other people are good mm-hmm. at, you know, um, innovation or something. And, and when I saw that this character arc, right, I... I I want to study the one person who made it, mm. right? You think about, um, you know, the, the 
the horrors of say World War Two, and we we but I but I stumbled upon a book by um, by Viktor Frankl. And Viktor Frankl wrote Man's Search for Meaning, but he also wrote 35 other books where he got deeper and deeper right. into this psychology, where he was the one person that made it through three or four Nazi concentration camps. And so how did he do it? Right. I want to know that. And so when I started watching movies and started to realize, well, look, they were all orphans. Right. Why did the screenwriter decide to kill off the parents? Yeah. Oh, to show how the human being had to live in order to grow up and become their own whole adult. Right. And it's, uh, you know, we t- um, in psychology, we have in 1964 through 1968, we have Dr. Eric Byrne created transactional analysis and uh, gives us really a great frame of reference, like with the homeless or even teenagers or even me when I'm out of balance. But he says there are three ego states, and we learn those um, perhaps chronologically. We start off as, as in the child ego state, and that's where, you know, we're – subordinate and dependent upon an adult or a parent very much unlike the animal kingdom right mm-hmm. um, you see animals and you know they're like on their own after two weeks mm-hmm. right but human beings we're not on our own for a long time <laughs> right but if someone's been catered to for the longest time they could still be being put through rehab at 35 by their yeah. affluent parents right and so we have to mm-hmm. be care- careful not not to impede the adult growing up but the ego the next ego state they call is the adult and the adult is the one who actually thinks who actually observes a situation who who responds instead of reacts and i see that in every you know morpheus mr miyagi and mr han and the other karate kid or rather the kung fu kid cuz since it was done in china um, but we see that in the mentor character um, which we don't see in parents because the third ego state is the parent yeah, and when we adopt, like I, I did this with volunteers a couple of weeks ago because you know we, I'm a, I'm a homelessness prevention consultant and I, I, I work in schools, but my volunteer work in Las Vegas for now what 26 years, is through the charity that licenses the Hero School methodology and model, and so I'm with these volunteers and I realized that I was so micromanaging the job I had gone to parent. <laughs> treating these very capable professionals who yeah. manage banks and everything else all week long, treating them like children. Yeah. Because, and that's what Eric Byrne said. We have these states inside us, <laughs> yeah. and we have to be very careful not to default to them. Mm-hmm. And so the one we want to always be in, though, is the adult, mm-hmm. right? And the adult is Morpheus. How did I beat you? Which <laughs> is very similar to how Dumbledore was with Harry Potter. Right. Right? In the second movie or second book, um, you know, there's the... the um, the confrontation on the stairwell and, and Dumbledore again, only asks questions. He's just the smartest, just so smart how they write, they write these characters. But he says, is there something you want to tell me, Harry? And we know this Dumbledore. You know, when I, when I grew up, (laughs) I want to be, I want to be some synthesis of Dumbledore and, and Morpheus, right? Yeah. You know, I want to really be mature when I, you know, but you know, um, but here is, he says, is there something you want to tell me? Now, Dumbledore knew everything but he still has to get the authority from the boy to tell him otherwise there's going to be a chip on that kid's shoulder for 20 years yeah right so he's going to have to endure some drama by you know if if the risk you know comes down to harry lying to him and harry does he says no now they already knew but still here's this question right so we we to the adult state asks questions respects answers but they they you have to all. You still have to know the game. 
you still have to know the game going in. And Dumbledore knew the game. Morpheus knows the game. And, and I think that more and more people, if they're equipped to know that, look, humans, there are a lot of ways that we could define a human. Um, I, I see today it's being more difficult to define what a woman is and things like that. But to define a human, right? This is the only species on planet Earth that becomes what they learn. Right. So if you're armed with that, you can remain in adult state, right? And not be, as the New Testament says, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, mm-hmm. by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, right? If you understand that these are the four habits that turn someone into a repeater or someone who can yeah. never be hired or homeless, right? Versus these four laws, that helps you stay in the right ego state and not judge behavior, but reach, reach out your hand and say, come with me if you want to live. Right. You see, and so many times we're just into sanctions instead of education. Yeah. You know, so, so again, I'm constantly yeah. trying to focus on these ego, these ego states and being in the right one. Yeah. And so now when you have groups of people, they're all hanging out together in the same situation. It really becomes like what we all saw in high school where you saw the biker guys hanging out. They didn't hang out with the, with the, with the drama students. And the jocks didn't hang out with the band people. They all had their, their like clicks of who was like them. So the same thing with you have homeless people. If you're hanging out with all these people that are, are all blaming society and their past for everything, you just become one of them. You right? to- totally do. The sad yeah. part is most of our systems are designed that way. Right. I've been to rehab centers where that's what they do. They put the group of the people who need the rehab with each other. Yeah, I know. And right? it shouldn't be. Yeah. No, the it movies that work, these things that we get from the movies, see Daniel leaving his group from school leaving. to only listen to Mr. Miyagi. Right. We That's see right. Luke Skywalker only being with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. Right? Leaving yeah. all the way to the other planet to be with Yoda only. Hey, In Superman fact, left Krypton. Krypton I, and <laughs> but, I, right. you know, well, Superman's right. a great role model for, you know, I got two people. Yeah. He has two dads. Yeah. Right? He has the wisdom of Jor-El and he also has, you know, yeah. has his, his yeah. earthly dad. Because if you leave them in that environment with those same people, it's just going to become yeah. an endless vicious circle. And it is. And yet we talk, about the, we, we talk about this in public school that, well, the kids need to be socialized. Well, not with each other, right. you know. And so that awareness of our human desire to be grouped with people just like us yeah. still has to be interrupted with learning vertically from a teacher, coach, boss, or expert. Yeah. And so now with, with, all, with all the work that you've done this far, okay, and if we had to take, a, a, well, we take your analogies of what you're doing, which I think is brilliant, okay, How, what, percentage, what percentage of a success rate in, in, in helping these people? In other words, if we did a telethon and we raised $5 million, okay, how do we take that to really make a difference in these people's lives so they can be productive, so they can break away from everything they've known and they're thinking of the past and, and, and moving forward with it? Uh, well, let me, let me start with the first part where you said it's brilliant. And uh, I really, I think of it more like um, Jamal and Slumdog Millionaire, right? Mm, yeah. And so, you know, Jamal like only learn 16 things. Yeah. But those 16 things lined up to be the one guy that could get them all right, right? So yeah. so what you know, I just put together stuff from a a crazy past, right? Yeah. 
and so became the person that you know stumbled upon this, so to so to speak. But if you were to raise that money, keep in mind we turn around. I mean, the success rate with um, with a hero school. Um, which is a two-hour, like a movie, or a trilogy of them, of two-hour sessions. Um, it's got a, what, 92.84% success rate. So 13 out of 14 people come in homeless, and they come through the process, neutralize those four habits of homelessness. They're on their way to becoming citizens. Um, and I use that as a term of those kinds of people that add value, take responsibility, learn from teachers, bosses, coaches, and experts, and then just do what they say until they make it to the, the, the promised land, right? Those four things. That's my definition of citizenry. So, yeah, um, the problem is that's, that's not where the expense is. The expense is how do you train, retrain the people right. with PhDs in right. things that aren't working? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So we could, yeah, we could just, we could... Yeah, I've gotten 52,000 plus homeless people off the streets of Las Vegas. Rather, I've helped them change back into who they're born to be. Right. Prevented many hundreds of thousands more of teenagers never going to be homeless. Okay, that's probably the most important work. Still, had to do so at my own expense because there are machines in place, Right. right? The machine in Los Angeles probably employs three times as many people to help the homeless as there are homeless. And that's an industry. And so if we're going to quote the Lion King, <laughs> it is the circle of life, Simba, yeah. right? That if you're going to go to help in one place, you need to make sure that all, say, five facets of this homelessness industry also get what they get because that's how they are. So yeah. you need to make sure that the people in, say, working in shelters or agencies, that they may be – they may have the same four habits and they're grateful for the grant that helped fund their position and they're doing this job they know to do. You have to also help them figure out what's next for them should you be able to solve the homelessness problem. Because yeah. what one thing happens here affects that entire industry. Yeah. Are, you, are you saying? So, yeah. so when I started, and I hate to, you know, to maybe belabor this point, when I started, um, you know, I was so naive and I was naive to think that... Oh, and this, we all are. This, because, well, you, you know. yeah, well, this is a problem that needs to be solved. Right. And, and a lot of people don't think of problems to solve them, especially in the nonprofit world. They're putting Band-Aids on well, a gunshot I, wound. Well, I think you know? they, they think of industry. Yeah. Because they're people employed in the nonprofit world. Yeah. And so, so I think we need to just like, you know, I want to free a person from homelessness. I don't want to just feed them. I think we need to maybe have a, a global consciousness change where we all want to free them from the condition. Yeah. Well, it, be, it becomes... And move on to the next problem to solve. Yeah, it becomes other than feeding them, we want to teach them how to fish. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because uh, the feeding lasts for a day. <laughs> Teaching them how to better their life yeah. lasts a lifetime. And my work is to do option three, revolutionize the fishing business. Right. Right. And so now what, what could people do if people are interested in helping you? What could they do? Uh, well, they could find a way to put on hero schools where they have a community where there are just too many, say, homeless people. They mm-hmm. could bring us into schools to do assemblies. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that, all that, I believe, is through the website. Uh, they could equip their uh, their team or whole departments at, in their corporations and their businesses in order to be one on one homelessness 
reversal, you know, agents on the street, right? Yeah. And so um, that's probably the most important thing. But if you know somebody that actually has a big lever on cities like Seattle or Portland or, you know, mm-hmm. so forth, that really this, the other way we're doing it isn't working. Right. And, uh, and, Politicians, and these right. are human beings, not pets. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's right. and we, they really are so much more to them than the life they're living. We, we really should do better. That's awesome. And you're doing great work. Tiger Todd, heroschool.us, heroschool.us, Tiger Todd. Thanks so much. We got we to continue this conversation. Thanks a lot for being here. My pleasure. Thank Tiger you. Tiger Todd.